Welcome to the Enterprise Ireland Net Zero UK podcast. This podcast forms a part of Enterprise Ireland's Net Zero UK Ready for a Green Future campaign, a campaign which aims to inform you about the UK's transition to a net zero economy and the impact this transition will have on Irish exporters. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Enterprise Ireland Net Zero UK podcast. My name is Kevin Finley. I'm the market advisor for agriculture for Enterprise Ireland here in the UK. In this episode, as you may have guessed, we will look at the UK agriculture sector, a sector that has been to the fore discussions around net zero, contributing roughly 10% of the UK's overall greenhouse gas emissions. This means that British farmers will have to adapt their farms and, and methods to help meet ambitions set by the UK government for net zero emissions by 2050. To discuss further, I'm delighted to be joined by John Foote, Head of Environment and Resource Management for the Agriculture and Horticulture Development Board, or AAHDB, as it's commonly known here. How are you today, John? I'm very good, thank you, Kevin. Nice to meet you. Great stuff. Um, thanks for joining us and looking forward to delving into the sustainability angle in Agri over the next 15 minutes or so on this episode. Firstly, conscious of our Irish listeners who may not be aware of your work in AAHDB, and a good place to start might be an introduction to your role into the organisation and, and your work across the UK. Thank you. So, I, as has been said, I'm John Foote. I head up the uh, environment team here at AHDB. We're a small team. We've got a focus on net zero, but we look at air pollution, water quality issues, and we support our marketing team around the reputation of the industry and the performance of um, uh, UK uh, agriculture and agriculture in England uh, where it uh, relates to red meat. AHTB is a, a statutory levy board, so our aim is to support uh, our farmers uh, to drive up their productivity, to boost farming, uh, and also, uh, you know, get their product into the supply chain here or internationally in a very uh, rapidly changing world uh, where we're producing high quality food uh, and to maintain those standards. So our four priority areas are really around competitiveness, you know, uh, supporting our farmers to grow uh, and compete and be more resilient in that international market. As I've said, to sort of drive up productivity and accelerate innovation using research and evidence that we can gather to sort of drive productivity um, and use uh, our knowledge exchange network to go out and talk to farmers, listen to their priorities and support them uh, moving forwards to sort of inform the industry about what consumers in the UK and elsewhere want. Uh, and so that we make sure that farmers and growers are producing what the consumer wants, be it here in the UK or internationally, and also to provide some sort of thought leadership and horizon scanning to sort of prepare the, the industry for change. So quite a wide remit, really. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks. That's a great overview, John. And I'm sure our listeners are very interested in the work you do in AHDB. And I think uh, you touched on horizon scanning there and looking to the future. And I think it might be a good place to start. And many of our listeners would be privy to discussions in Ireland around sustainable farming and the shift to the cap payments in the country towards more eco-friendly schemes. On this side of the Irish Sea, how is UK agriculture making that shift or movement towards net zero and what schemes and, and different we'd say, initiatives are being brought in to promote that more sustainable farming methods in the UK? So I think we've been helped here, certainly in England, uh, and we've got similar sort of documents and commitments uh, put out by the sort of farming unions and stakeholders in the devolved administrations. But certainly in England, the National Farmers Union published in 2019 the net zero goals. 
Uh, and they set a very ambitious set of uh, sort of targets and commitments that the industry would work towards. Uh, and we, the idea is that we will achieve net zero by 2040. Um, and that will be delivered through improving uh, sort of resource use efficiency across all farm sectors, you know, getting better productivity, better uh, storage of carbon on farm, be it through the, the hedges, the trees or in the soil itself, and also through greater use uh, and um, innovation through um, uh, land based renewable energy, bioenergy, for example, heat pumps, solar and so on. So. All of that has the potential to bring in private sector money and, and there's a lot of interest in the, the opportunities that, you know, future carbon markets and also biodiversity sort of net gain markets may bring to UK agriculture. Although I think it's early days for that and, and we're, you know, maybe five to ten years away before that, that sort of market is fully realised. And then in the, the shorter term, we've got government policy where we've come out of the uh, common agricultural policy. We've got uh, a new Agriculture Act. We've got a new Environment Act as well. And these are once in a generation change to the, the sort of regulatory landscape. And that's changing the way that farmers are paid to sort of farm. Uh, it's pushing them towards more environmentally friendly uh, systems. They're being paid for delivering ecosystem services. So that's, you know, clean water, clean air, biodiversity for society here in England. Uh, and they can get those payments uh, through uh, the Sustainable Farming Incentive, which is part of the overall ELMS uh, sort of package. And, you know, there are various sort of tiers within that. And, you know, tier one, there's almost a pick and mix list of options that will attract a certain amount of payment, which they go out and deliver. Um, and it could be anything from having, you know, uh, an updated soil management plan through to sort of improving carbon in soils, maintaining hedges and so on. And all of that will result in some payments that they can then put together with the, that private sector money at some point in the future. But it's, it's quite a big change. And a lot of farmers are now also looking at how they can use carbon tools uh, and consultancy services to sort of help, you know, identify where those carbon stocks and opportunities are on their farm. And then, you know, again, how they can potentially commercialise that in years to come. Okay, okay, very interesting. And as you mentioned, a once in generation generation shift from we say the traditional cap payments or the cap payments from the EU to that LM scheme you touched on. And just to look from a farmer angle, how how are these schemes being received? Obviously, a lot to take on board by farmers, and 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 they'll have to adapt going forward. How is that change being received? I think it's fair to say that, you know, farmers are very interested, but probably at the same time, very concerned by the changes because there's still a lot of uncertainty and there's not a, uh, you know, maybe as much clarity as they would want before they can make those investment decisions uh, in terms of their own farm businesses. The work that we're doing, when we've got some work that's funded by DEFRA, which is uh, part of the UK government. Uh, here in uh, England, we're sort of supporting them through the, the DEFRA Resilience Fund, and that is going out and enabling us to deliver sort of uh, business uh, sort of plan reviews and sort of audits, uh, and also to support, you know, farmers who want to take them up with uh, carbon audits on their farm, so they can marry up, you know, carbon opportunities with that sort of financial driver. 
early indications are that in some cases up to 75% of the sort of income that they would have received from BPS payments will be lost. So that's a significant loss to, you know, many farmers. Uh, and in some cases, it may be that, you know, the difference between, you know, being profitable and not. So we're really working with those farmers to understand how the, the loss of, you know, BPS payments will Im impact them, where they can, you know, make more money, save money, and potentially, you know, look at diversification options for their businesses um, uh, going forward. Now, inevitably, there may be some farmers who are also looking at, you know, saying, well, I've had enough, I want to get out. And, uh, and again, uh, there is some money on offer from DEFRA to sort of facilitate that. But again, it's whether or not it's attractive enough uh, and the timing's right for those farmers. But, you know, it's, it's quite a complicated picture. Uh, and, you know, it will depend very much on individual farmers' circumstances uh, and, you know, where they think the opportunities uh, may lie. Okay. okay, yeah, very interesting. And we'd say to put your, your, your finger in the sky for a moment, how do you see UK farming and the UK farm, farming landscape looking different in 10 years' time? Is it that there'll be less farms? Is it that they'll be farms will be operating in a different manner? What, how do you see the shifts resulting? We'd say when you look, we'd say 10 years in advance or maybe 20 years in advance. What, what do you see as being some of the big shifts on farm? Well, that's a difficult question to answer. I'll uh, give the, the crystal ball a, a polish. My, my own personal feeling is that we'll probably end up with the market sort of segmenting uh, I, I think we probably still has have largely the same number of farms. There may be some consolidation within some of the sectors. I think we'll see more sort of intensive livestock uh, and uh, sort of arable type systems where we've got greater specialization because of the cost of machinery or, or the investment required in the, the infrastructure on the farm. And then I think we'll see at the other end, maybe more extensive, more premium, you know, if I take dairy, for example, calf at foot, organic type systems that are meeting sort of uh, local or other sort of, uh, you know, market seg segmentation sort of needs. And I think we'll broadly go along those options because society will still require, you know, milk at a price that it can afford. And, you know, we believe strongly that whilst we might see, you know, greater increase in terms of flexitarian diet and people maybe changing some of the, 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 the sort of proteins that they eat. There are significant export opportunities for us as a, a country. Uh, and therefore, you know, those volumes of produce uh, will still remain as high as they are, may even grow to meet global demand because, we, you know, we're very sustainable. Uh, and, you know, therefore there are opportunities and we need to sort of meet those market requirements. So I think more intensive, you know, uh, sort of, highly efficient uh, sort of systems, very productive. And at the other end, again, very efficient, uh, productive, but, you know, maybe premium uh, sort of market uh, product uh, for the consumer. Thanks, John. And and you touched on export here. Uh, obviously, in our role, it's, it's working with companies in Ireland who are, who are maybe selling to multiple markets and, and operating in the UK specifically from, from our standpoint. And looking at, at companies operating in agriculture. So so not necessarily the farmers on the ground or, or, or the stakeholders like yourself, but companies who are involved in the supply chain. How do you think these should consider, these companies should consider the net zero ambitions and the change in the sector? And what opportunities and challenges do these changes present to companies in the market? 
I, I think that the the sort of main opportunities are, you know, think about those sort of uh, services that uh, your uh, companies can provide to UK agriculture. So it's advisory services. It's around how can you know, drive greater efficiency, productivity. It's maybe, you know, around genetics, uh, you know, in, for, for crops or, or livestock. It's around, uh, you know, feed supplements for livestock uh, and making sure that they're sustainable and looking for some of the alternatives uh, for soya, et cetera. Uh, and then it's around looking at, you know, technology for abating carbon, generally air pollution. We mustn't forget about nitrogen and the importance of that. So, you know, a bit like Ireland, we've got issues with ammonia emissions. So we need, you know, abatement technology, buildings and infrastructure that can then support our farmers to sort of reduce those emissions uh, and, you know, improve their sustainability. And I think that's important as well, because whilst the focus is on net zero, we mustn't lose sight of those wider environmental issues as well. And that's the same for UK agriculture as it is for, you know, agriculture in, in Ireland. You know, if we just talk about carbon, you know, the sector will lose out to some of the, the other sort of international markets or some of the, the, the sort of plant-based uh, systems versus livestock, because it's a one-dimensional discussion. So any supplier that can start to integrate those issues and get the right balance of, uh, across those issues uh, is on to a winner. Thanks for that. Really useful advice for our companies operating in the market and a great snapshot over the last 10 minutes or so of what is going on in UK agriculture and the direction of travel from that sustainability perspective. Before we finish up, I'm keen to, to hear, is there anything from an AHDB standpoint you'd like to highlight for our Irish listeners and our companies who may be present in the market? Yeah, so um, as you, some of your listeners may be aware that HDB has uh, a vote coming up, uh, which is to shape the future of the organisation and determine the priorities that we work on for levy payers. Uh, and some of your, your listeners may also be levy payers. Uh, and we would recommend that, uh, you know, they come to our website, uh, www.ahdb.org.uk. Uh, click on the shape uh, the future and um, box. Uh, they can go there and they can register to vote if they're a levy payer. And we would encourage everybody to sort of uh, who, who qualifies to sign up and, you know, help shape that future. Uh, that, that, that's key for my area of work uh, and it's key across all the other areas that we support. Brilliant. And uh, as you said, the link there to the website and in our social media posts and Enterprise Ireland UK should be able to find a link out to AHDB for more information. But thanks, John. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. A quick uh, and very interesting uh, session. And thanks again for your time and your brilliant insights to our clients. Thanks again to all of our listeners for joining us today. And stay tuned to the Net Zero podcast feed for more from our UK team. Thanks. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you for joining Enterprise Ireland's Net Zero UK podcast. For more insight into UK Net Zero trends, follow our Enterprise Ireland UK LinkedIn and Twitter pages or visit our Global Ambition website. If you're an Enterprise Ireland client and you would like to learn more about how Enterprise Ireland can help your company on the journey to Net Zero, speak to your development advisor or visit www.enterprise-ireland.com.